excessive heat warning, tornado watch, earthquake in Alaska, flooding in Vermont, the Cerebus heat wave in Greece that are rising temperatures to over 110 degrees in Greece. Cerebus heat wave. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds bad. In Florida, the water is hotter than it's ever been. It's like over 90 degrees, the water in Florida. In Texas, Del Rio, Texas, it's been over 100 degrees for 18 straight days. And I live in Texas, and it's like over 100 almost every day. I mean, it is hot. I mean, I'll see people running, you know, in the middle of the day. And I'll, I just want to throw liquid IVs at them. Like, make sure you're hydrating. Make sure you retain some fluids because it is that hot. I mean, it is insane. Every single day, there's a new like weather phenomenon. And it's just been hot also across the entire country. It's been hot. Maybe you felt it. Maybe you're feeling it. I feel like everyone you talk to is just like, yeah, it's a hot one. Mm -hmm. It's a hot one. Yeah. And it's the humidity that gets you. You know, it's not just the heat. It's the humidity that gets you. The dang humidity every summer. You know, weather used to be like small talk. There used to be stuff that we could, you know, be like, oh yeah, how's the weather? Oh, yeah, it's raining a little bit. No, not now. This is like, real stuff. I mean, there are floods, there are tornadoes, there are excessive heat warnings across the entire world. This is real. This is not just small talk anymore. This is like a legit conversation. I need you to tell me that you're okay. This this summer, reading these headlines, experiencing the heat here in Texas, and, um, you know, seeing kind of the world go in an oven or all these natural disasters has been a good meditation on the control in my life. Like, Hey, extreme weather is a good reminder of the little control we actually have. And we can really only control our personal choices. And it also reminded me of a good story. When I was in the Philippines, um, you know, living in America, living in New Jersey, growing up, like there is extreme weathers, but it's not like super extreme. It's not like, you know, read about it, international news extreme. So when I was in the Philippines, I got to experience like typhoon season for the first time. And they're like, oh, have you ever experienced typhoon season? It's like, I can't say that New Jersey has a typhoon season. So no, I haven't. And they're like, okay, just be careful because the rain can just start coming down out of nowhere. You got to prepare yourself. And I was like, rain, check, got it. I think, uh, think, think your boy can handle a little bit of rain. But let's just say I couldn't handle a little bit of rain. It was incredible. So, you know, the Philippines is really, really hot all the time. And this one time I'm, you know, on this bus going to my, my mission field, going to this college I was doing mission work at. And, um, you know, it's hot. It's like 107 degrees, just like 100% humidity, just swelteringly hot. And it, you're just like dripping beads of sweat. All my Filipino brothers and sisters, you guys know that. I mean, it's hot over there. And, you know, like excessively, like you got to drink a ton, a ton of water or else you're going to start passing out hot. So I'm on a bus, you know, the traffic is terrible in Manila. So I'm on a bus. There's, it's just open air, you know, just like metal seats on a bus. There's no windows. There's just kind of bars covering the side. And, you know, I'm, I'm dripping in sweat. You know, I'm kind of I'm like, okay, I'm kind of sitting there, you know, there's people right next to me and I'm kind of bunched up and all of a sudden, I'm like, man, it's so hot. And I kind of see some rain in the distance. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, the rain, this will break the humidity. And well, to, and to that, it did break the humidity, but it started out of nowhere, just like pouring. And in two minutes, it is just like, poof, just like buckets of water. All of a sudden the bus just can't go anymore. It's just in like, it's their flooding all of a sudden in, in, in 120 seconds. 
Basically, there's a flood on the streets. And there is chaos. People, like, it's chaos, but it's controlled chaos. Like, people are, like, putting boards down. They are picking stuff up. They're covering things out of nowhere. I felt like it was like a movie. I was like, oh, can, can I help anyone? Does anybody need any help? Like, it was utter madness. And so, you know, they, they make an announcement on the bus, um, you know, not in the microphone. They just basically turn around. The bus driver's like, all right, everyone, we're going to have to get off the bus. And I was like, we're going to go down in that? Like, isn't this the safe zone? Shouldn't we stay in the bus here? Isn't this the safe zone? They're like, no, we got to go in the bus. They're like, listen, they're like, hey, white guy, you got to get off the bus. You're going to, you're going to go down a few blocks that way. You're going to catch another bus because there's not as much flooding over there. We came down through this little part of town and as you can see, it's flooding. There's like, you know, it's literally torrential downpouring. I have like a little backpack trying to cover my head. You know, I'm wiping, I'm wiping the water off my face. I'm like, okay, bus over there. Should I ask for a particular bus? They're like, they'll, they'll see you. I'm like, okay. They start putting planks down, uh, planks of wood down on like parts of, I don't know, raised ground. So now I'm like walking the plank, literally walking on this plank from plank to plank, from like storefront to storefront, up and over these you know, parts of the city and, and, and trying to get to the higher ground. And, you know, and at one point I'm like, all right, I'm just going to like try, like maybe I'm like jump in. Like if you have to jump in, take your shoes off and still get to the bus over there. I was like, bus over there. Got it. I'm going to try to get there. And it is just like utter madness. And all of a sudden the rain just stops and then it's like sunny again. Humidity started crawling back. I was like, okay, come on. This is ridiculous. And at the, the river Nile just dumped on us. And the humidity is like back to 100%. And so I'm trying to trug my way along to along to get to the bus. And, you know, there's other people going too. And they're like pointing up there. I'm like, yeah, I, I, up there, right? We're trying to all get up there, right? They're like, yeah, white guy, up there. So finally after, you know, what felt like four hours, but really it's probably 10 minutes, I finally make it to up there. And it was, you know, another street where a bus was just like, hey, were you guys coming from the other bus? Okay, get on this bus. We're going to make it over to the other side of town where you all need to go. And, you know, like I sit down and seat. I am just like, I am just a sponge. I just sit down. It's just like water just dripping everywhere. My clothes are drenched. And because it's so humid, it can't really like dry out super easily. So I'm just like sitting in a bathtub in a bus. And, um, you know, I had to just laugh. I had to just be like, all right, that was pretty funny because like it was so out of my control. And I always think about that with the weather and like how the weather can just be like out of my control. There's nothing I can do except try to adapt and just like not get upset at the circumstances of it. Um, and so that was like a really funny story. Made it safe and sound. I came back to where I was living at the end of the day and I was like, oh, let me tell you this crazy story in the wood planks and up there, got to get up there. And they were like, oh yeah, it's typhoon season. That that might be happening. I was like, all right, so that that's kind of what typhoon season is. All right. Got a better understanding now. So that story about the typhoon in the Philippines and then this excessive weather this summer is a good reminder that we have little control sometimes, this illusion of control in our lives. We really only can control the things that we do, how we react, the, Im the impact we have on other people's lives through our actions, through our thoughts, through our words. And the trick is that we have to trust that God is in control even through excessive heat warnings, even through typhoons, God is leading us in our lives and he's leading me in my life. And I think 
control is a really, really big roadblock for a lot of us. I know it is for me. Like, Giving control up to God is very, very hard. Giving control up to God in every aspect of our lives, good, bad, ugly, weather, job, friends, family, everything is very hard. And that's kind of like part of like the, 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 the tension that there is when we're trying to follow God, when we're trying to be disciples of Christ is that like we have to give everything to God. We have to give every part of our heart to God. And I know for me, that can be very hard because I'll give up the things you know, that I'm, you know, easily to give to God, things I can easily give to God, I'm willing to give. But those hard things, those things I'm tight, like grip, tightly gripping onto my life, that is very, very challenging to give to God. You know, a lot of times we want to control the outcomes of things. We want to control the outcomes of how people treat us. We want to control our reputations. We want to control other people's actions. You know, we see people act in a certain way and we're just like, oh, you shouldn't be acting like that. I know I do that. Or we see, you know, situations in, um, you know, the media or politics. We say, oh, oh I want to, I wish I could change that. You know, we want to have control over, you know, things in our lives and particularly the outcomes. You know, I want this video to impact people. I want this video to do well. I want people to see this video. I'm going to put this video onto different platforms and I want it to be seen by people. I think the message that Christ is speaking through me is strong and powerful and I want people to hear that. But I, I don't have a ton of control. I can control some parts of the output of this, but like there are other factors at play of which I don't control, you know, companies and algorithms and timing and how people see it and, you know, see this video and how people react to it. And maybe it's not as powerful in the beginning as I think it is. And, and people will stop watching, but like, I can only control so much on this video. So I think there's a lot of things in our life like that. Like we want to control things, we want to control people, we want to control outcomes. And a lot of times those parts of control I've seen in my life are just illusions. Like we actually can't control people we actually can control a lot of outcomes. We can only control our input into situations. We only control our input, not the output. You know, we only can control our attitude. We only can control um, the things we have control over. We only can control the words we say. We can't really control how people receive them. We can't really control the output of projects. But we know if you put good in, you get good out. So we believe in that. We believe in that function of life, that if you put good things in, you get good things out. And we trust that that also exists with God, that if we put good things into our minds, into our hearts, into our spirits, we'll get good out of our lives. And even in hard times, even in extreme weather, God is still watching over us. And we kind of, we trust in that function in our lives. You know, I think, wasn't that a math term function? I wasn't really a math guy, but a function, like you the input things in the function, the output things in the function. You know, that's really what life is, is that like we can only control our input. We can't really control the outcomes. We can't really control other people. So we have to trust that God is in control of our lives. A really good example of this in my own life of like wanting to hold on to control and hold on to, you know, things and people and outcomes was when my son was born, he was a week late in the due date and me, you know, I prepared, I had my paternity leave. I had a couple weeks of paternity leave. I was ready for work to be set up 
perfectly. I stopped different projects. I started them. I put all these, you know, documents ready to go that I could, you know, when I come back on this date, he's going to be born on, you know, this date. When I come back on, you know, two weeks later, I'm going to pick up this project and that project. And in the week that he was still, still, still cooking in the oven, you know, I was kind of on work, kind of off work. I was trying to help out, trying to figure out, I was trying to adjust all of these things because I was so nervous and so worried about work. And I was so consumed with that, like, hey, I have this perfect idea of like him being born in this time and then it'll lead into Labor Day and then I could pick up things during Labor, after Labor Day because people are going to come back from vacation. I had this like opportunity to like, okay, son's going to be born, then I'm going to have, be able to pick up work perfectly. And as I learned, and I continue to learn every day, you know, this illusion of control, like I can control when he's going to come into the world. Like, okay, what can we do to get this kid coming on this perfect day? Because it fits perfectly with my work, with my control over what I want in my life. So things are in order. And so I don't have to pivot or adjust in the things that are uncomfortable for me, like having to figure out work, figure out life. And like that first week before he even exist, like existed in the world or in, in, you know, out of the womb was a great precursor for life to be like, Hey, I can only control so much. And I had to give up control to say, Hey, like there's a perfect timing for everything. There's a perfect timing for my son coming into the world. There's a perfect timing for work. There's a perfect timing for relationships in life and kind of just got to give it up, kind of got to give up that control and not try to control every outcome, but adjust and pivot to and react to the things in my life. So I was thinking a lot about this and I've thought a lot about this meditation on control in my life and what I can control and what I can't control and not getting worried about the things I can't control. And I think a really good like answer to that is in JP2's famous line, which is be not afraid. And JP2 said that like, he, he said that this is one of his most like famous lines. It's one of the most famous lines of the new evangelization of our like current era. I think it's like the greatest answer to today's culture, which is like, you know, fear of everything, fear of excessive heat warnings, fear of climate change, fear of political division, fear of, you know, housing market could crash. Everybody's afraid of everything. And JP2's message, which is like in life with Christ, just be not afraid. And he said in a later um, interview that he just felt like the Holy Spirit said for him to speak that. He didn't like have that planned. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to, you know, say be not afraid. And it's going to be like the most mic drop line of the next 35 years. But he just kind of said it in this offhand comment. And it turned into this like badge of honor for a lot of, you know, young Catholics in the world. And in an interview, he says this on October 22nd. 1978, I said the words, be not afraid in St. Peter's Square. I cannot have fully known how far they would take me and the entire church. Their meaning came more from the Holy Spirit, the counselor, promised by the Lord Jesus to his disciples, more than from the man who spoke them himself. Why should we have no fear, he says? Because man has been redeemed by God. When pronouncing these words in St. Peter's Square, I already knew that my first encyclical entire papacy would be tied to the truth of the redemption and in that redemption, we found the most profound basis for the words, be not afraid. And it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And, you know, that might sound like a simple, you know, solution to the craziness of the world or the things that are out of our control. But God, God's love, God loves us so much that like 
Jesus came for us. He proved to us how much he loves us and that he's going to take care of us. And it's like, it's not just like, hey, I came into the world and uh, that's it. You're all on your own. It's like, no, that, you know, Jesus's, you know, life, death and resurrection is the answer to why we should trust him with our lives. Because he already proved it on the cross. He already proved it by coming into the world. He already proved it by dying for us. He already proved it by rising from the dead. So it's like, why should we trust God? Why should we be not afraid? Because he's already shown us how much he loves us. John 3, 16. For me, that could be very hard to like apply to the day to day. Kind of like, all right, well, how do I apply this? Like, there's a lot of things happening. You know, it's 159,000 degrees outside. I'm walking outside and I understand there's a meditation of control there, but I'm still sweating. I'm still sweating so much. So how can I apply this, you know, logic to, and this sentiment to my life? And for me, I think a really good way to like, for me to practice giving up control to God and leaning more into God with my everyday life is through the Eucharist actually. And that is like this trust exercise, which is Jesus says, I want you to receive me full body, blood, and spirit in communion. And when we go with clean hands, in a state of grace, pure heart, and receive Jesus, we're changed. But the logic of that kind of falls apart sometimes. Sometimes it's, you know, for me, I'll be like, okay, transubstantiation. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Like that, 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 that makes sense. And you know, the week goes by, you're kind of like, oh yeah, it'll be good to go to church and then you receive communion. But the trust comes from feeling the difference in my life and letting God change me through the Eucharist. So Jesus's presence in my life, receiving him actually changes me. And then that trust that if I keep going back to Jesus in the Eucharist, keep going back with clean hands, pure heart to the mountain altar of God, that Jesus will change me. And the Eucharist is kind of that like practical exercise we can do once a week or every day as much as we want every day. It's this exercise that Jesus can change us. It's this exercise and this trust that Jesus can change us when we receive him into our lives not only in our spirits, but in the Holy Eucharist too. And I think that's so powerful for me. That's like something I'm, I'm kind of learning new. I'm kind of like, this is a new summer thing. This excessive heat warning, all these tornadoes, earthquakes, that's along with that thinking for me has been this like refound trust in the Eucharist, refound kind of like letting God change me in the Eucharist. And so it's like, be not afraid. That's a great statement. Well, how can we keep trusting God and be not afraid? Jesus says, receive me in the Eucharist and that will change you. Blessed Carlo says that the Eucharist is the highway to heaven. And so that for us Catholics, receiving the Eucharist and receiving often and receiving in a state of grace, that is an important exercise we can do to let God change us and to grow in trust. If sin and pride grow in our hearts, and we don't confess them in confession, if we don't seek reconciliation, we're going to go down that road, sin, destruction. But if we go down the road of trusting in Jesus and receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, he'll change us. It'll, we'll, we'll grow in it. And that's something that I'm trying to do more and more every day. So this summer, you know, I'm trying to get to mass a little bit more in the, in the weekdays. Haven't really been doing great at it, but you know, at least every Sunday, I'm trying to let God, you know, change me in the Eucharist. And then I grow a little bit more in peace with the crazy things that are going on in the world. I let God have a little bit more control. I let go of control a little bit more. And so that's kind of my response to how can we be not afraid 
in crazy worlds, in this crazy world. And the Eucharist is a great practical thing we can do, staying close to the Eucharist. And I think this is actually perfect timing to talk about this because I don't know if you guys have heard, but there is a National Eucharistic Congress happening next year in Indianapolis, Indiana, July 20, 2024. And it's the first one that's going to happen in 80 years. And basically what it is, is there is like these pilgrimages that are happening of, you know, in the diocese and personal pilgrimage to the Eucharist. That's all going to lead next summer to this Eucharistic Congress. There's going to be prayer, adoration, mass, talks, and it's going to be the coming together of us Catholics in America to say, hey, like the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. It's also a way that we let God change us. Because I know for me, sometimes it's easy to like sit in prayer or ponder and grom, grovel, grumble, grovel, grumble about the hard things in life. It's like, oh God, like, where are you? Where can you change my, you know, how could you change me? How can you change things? And the Eucharist is the ultimate response to that, which is let Jesus into your life physically. Receive Jesus into your life. Confess your sins and receive Jesus into your life. And watch him change. Watch him change you. Watch him change your life. Watch him change the feelings, your thoughts, your emotions. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to be received into our hearts, into our minds, into our bodies, and he can change us. And that's been on my heart. So I'm really excited for this Eucharistic Congress that's going to happen um, next year. I'm going to be making some videos that are trying to be like companion pieces about the Eucharist over the next year. Um, we'll, you know, we'll see what I can do um, over the next year. I want to, I want to make like one video a month um, among other videos, but you know, stay on the lookout for that, but also like go look up the Eucharistic Congress, go research on the website, go see the talks, see the people, see the pilgrimages being made that are going to then all descend upon Indianapolis next summer. And so it's one year away from this, but we can prepare ourselves for a big moment in the church in America. I mean, this hasn't happened in 80 years. So that's something special we can all be a part of. And obviously we can go, we can pray, but we can also rededicate ourselves to the Eucharist. And that's what a lot of the writings and teachings that this Eucharistic revival is all about. It's about rededicating ourselves to the power of the Eucharist. And as I say this, I'm even like, man, I got to do this too. This is not like me being like, and that's why I've been a daily communicant for 45 years. No, I'm only 33 and I don't do that. But I'm trying to rededicate dedicate myself to the Eucharist and rededicate myself to this complete trust and letting go of control of my life and let God change me. That's where I think the Eucharist can be so powerful in our lives. That when we, we receive God into our lives, when we receive Jesus, real body and blood into our lives, he can change our hearts. And it's up to us to let him do that. So that's the question we should all be asking ourselves over the next year. And as we prepare for this Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis next summer, will we let God into our lives? Will we receive Jesus physically and spiritually? And will we let Jesus change us? Will we give up control of our lives and let Jesus change us? That's what I'm asking myself. Can I give up a little bit more control, God, today? Jesus, can I give up a little bit more control of my fear of the future, of the things I need, of the things I want, of the comparisons I see in the world, of the things, oh, they have that and I don't. You know, can I trust that you have control of all of the things I need and trust that when I'm receiving Eucharist, when I stay close to you, that you're going to give me everything times a hundred. So check out everything about the Eucharistic Congress. Check out here on Backseat Media for more content that I'll be making revolved around that, but also like 
prepare your hearts. Let's prepare our hearts for a big time change and revival in the Catholic Church. Thank you all for checking out this episode. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss any content that we put out here at Backseat Media. But also check out the Eucharistic Congress, Eucharistic Revival website. A lot of great stuff on there. I'd love for you all to check that out and get back to me with your thoughts on it. I'd love to hear kind of your take on the Eucharistic Revival because I know it's kind of inspiring me and I want to take part in it somehow in any way. So talk to you all soon. Peace.